1: Hello, it's Trent Clark, and welcome to the Winners Find a Way show. Excited you can be with us again. I am an NIL expert, a serial entrepreneur, a leadership developer of people, international speaker, and probably best known for being a longtime coach in professional baseball, coaching in three World Series. I am with my good friend today, Amir Habouche. Amir, how are you, buddy?
2: I'm good friend. How are you doing?
1: Man, I'm fired up to have this conversation. You recommended to a good friend of mine. So super excited about bringing you on, man. And things we're going to talk about, the things you're doing right now, is so hot in the market. And we're going to talk a little bit about your career, what you're doing, all that good stuff, first, Amir, tell all the audience where they can find you, looking for you online, where can they connect with you?
2: Absolutely, fan, I appreciate that. And and I know, uh, before I get into that, I know you're a big fan of of baseball, so I wanted to show you my baseball, my Diamondback team. This is our...
1: Diamondbacks. He's wearing it proud, man. You know, I did interview with them in like uh, 2001, and they told me, no thanks. So, uh, you know, (laughs) you got a bittersweet for the Diamondbacks. And then they won it, I think, that year, like uh, the year later or something. I don't remember. Well, so,
2: this is the plumbing team in Arizona, and it, and that's the one that counts. So. <laughs>
1: Diamondback Plumbing—is that what it is?
2: That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Nice. So,
1: that's right. Yeah. You know, like those snakes—they know everything about <laughs> you know clearing pipes. There it, you go.
2: It's exactly. So right. good, good call. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you can find Snowball and myself included at the SnowballInc.com. That's our, our website. I'm on Twitter, and the handle is uh, my last name uh, Habusha, and then obviously LinkedIn you can search for Amir Habouchet or Snowball and, and I'll pop up.
1: That's pretty cool. Like, you know, with a name, last name, like, Habouchet, like, that's pretty, you have your own Twitter account. Like, you know, I'd have to do Clark 6599 exclamation 256 to, you know, get my name in on my, like, Twitter account, right? Like, there's so many Clarks. So pretty cool that you get to have, own your last name on Twitter. That's I pretty even,
2: awesome. I even have it. It's so unique that I even have the, the domain, habusha.com. So if you, Oh, you, you do? Yeah, so nice. you, if you have, like, Amir, if you email Amir at Habusha.com, it'll go to my Gmail account, so.
1: There you go. Forward it on. That's pretty cool. All right. Now, Amir, a man after my heart. You're an L.A. guy. You've been living in L.A., in the West L.A. area for some time. Not born in West L.A. Where was the, the humble beginnings for Amir Habusha?
2: So I had quite a bit of a journey. I was born in, in Iran when then at age two, we moved to San Diego for two years. That's when I first fell in love with uh, with Southern California. And then at four, moved back to Iran for another two years in the midst of the revolution there. Yeah. Uh, and we moved to Israel cuz you know that's uh, Jewish. So um, been there in, in Israel for a good 9 years, 10 years, age of 16 and moved to LA and then haven't moved since. So I would say for quite some time. Yeah.
1: So, non-Muslim living in Iran, Jewish, is that pretty volatile? Is that like they are not very accepting or did you feel safe?
2: We felt safe, but at that time during the revolution there was a lot of uncertainty and that's when we left and you know, either you went to LA or, or California or, or you went to Israel, and um, so quite a bit of us spread out. Just even for a lot of people with our background, and half my family is Muslim and half Jewish. So yeah. either way, they are pretty much spread out now.
1: Nice. And so why snowballing? You know, like listen, you know, I don't. Is there any snow in Iran? Actually,
2: <laughs> no snow. Well, actually, no. There is snow. We're very close to the uh, Himalayas. Oh yeah, that's is, the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Iran is is. Pretty vast and, uh, and a beautiful country. Quite a bit, you know, missed out on on good culture there. So one day when it opens up, I think a lot of people appreciate Iran can uh, can provide. But outside of that, uh, Snowball is, you know, truly a, a hack tip to Warren Buffett and, and his autobiography, uh, Snowball. You know, we all of us, our co-founders and myself included, are big fans of creating value and, and giving value, and we wanted to um, to showcase that by by a name too.
1: Yeah, no. Have you ever been to the Warren Buffett weekend, like the whole shareholders over uh, in
2: Omaha? Because I think it's going on right now. Yeah, it actually ended uh, last this weekend. Uh, oh, it ended
1: I, the weekend. Okay. Yeah,
2: I I haven't. Um, I watch it. I, I love it, but, but no, I haven't. Only you know, I'm not a big. I, I I travel quite a bit. It's not it's not easy, but it is a pilgrimage. So <laughs> uh, maybe next year.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen. Everyone wants to go to Omaha on a weekend, you know. Like, that's, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's it's hot. It's either, it's, I know it's either New York for the weekend, L.A. or
2: Omaha. Those are usually my three. I'm usually, you know, it's, it's, it's only the three options you have, really.
1: Yeah, it's really what I'm trying to balance for a great weekend away. Actually, yeah. so yeah, but like, uh, I, I have a standing invitation, and I'd really like to go one year. There's some good friends in EO. They host a great event for the whole uh, shareholder event and. Quite incredible, and I just keep telling myself every year, man, I got to make time. Spring's a terrible time for me because I got a lot of travel myself. And so it's always one of these things like every time it kind of sneaks up on me, like, oh, my gosh, is that next week? Like, I just need to commit to it, like, right now and set it and forget it. And, like, I'm going to be in Omaha next year, you know, (laughs) like, May 5th or whatever, you know?
2: Trent, why don't we just uh, book the flights right now so we meet up over there and we go. ourselves accountable. Let's just
1: commit, <laughs> man. I love it. we we'll gonna do that. So now you grow up. So what's life like in L.A.? I mean, you you come back, you're a high school kid. And did you graduate from high school in L.A. or were you in San Diego?
2: I graduated from Santa Monica High School. Oh, there you go.
1: Yeah. yeah. You
2: know, the nice thing about Israel's school system versus the uh, United States, it's a uh, it's very rigorous. So you know, we're here. You do six courses or six classes um, of subjects in a year or in a semester. Over there, it's it's double that. It's twelve plus. So. You know, by the time I got junior year, I already had like more than enough credits to uh, graduate. So i was taking a lot of college credits and a lot of other like ROP classes, which is regional occupation program. So it was actually easy and, and I enjoyed it because in Israel, they, they teach you English early on at fourth grade. So um, I already had English pretty well, not, not as good as uh, I should be, but uh, you know that's uh, definitely helped.
1: Yeah. I mean, it sounds pretty good. I mean, I mean, almost native. And yeah, obviously it was two years at a young age, right? Being in the States and things. And then yeah, it's interesting, right? Because everyone goes, "Oh my gosh!" You know, U.S. schools we're, we're pretty well known, especially probably for our university education, right? But yeah, I mean, I know a lot of a couple of my kids. We've homeschooled our kids under a pretty rigorous program called Classical Conversations. You know, when any of our kids went to an actual public school, they're like, "Yeah, this is pretty easy." <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like I'm like, "Hey man, you got your homework or something? Like, don't you got stuff to do?" And they're like, "Yeah, not really." You know, and I was like. So there's a lot of kids, especially kind of your, that take kind of your path. They kind of got their major stuff done by the time they're 16. They're really starting to take like the junior college classes, where which is where you head next to, right? Uh, Santa Monica, Santa Monica College right there.
2: That's right, Santa Monica Community College, which uh, we call it uh, Santa Monica High School 2.0, yeah. <laughs> because pretty much a lot I'm of the same kids. <laughs>
1: hey, Where my math class last
2: year? Honestly, it's a great college. It's one of the best community colleges uh, out there, and, and has the highest. Here, I'm going to put my pitch for Santa Monica College: highest transfer rate to UCLA, USC, Santa Barbara, and all the UC system. So it's a good yeah. one that if you want to save and and uh, get figure out what you really want to do before moving on to the next step.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate that. You know, schools that address the fact like, hey, all of our college uh, credits are going to transfer, big deal. Two is, this is the first time I have ever heard in my life a lower cost experience in Santa Monica. <laughs> you know, like, you know, usually lower cost experiences in Santa Monica do not go together. It is an expensive area and uh, man, it's gorgeous, right? I mean, world-famous pier, incredible food, man. And of course, obviously the natural elements are just, you know, hard to wake up to sunny in 73 every day. So I'm yeah. sure you struggled with that.
2: Exactly. That's why actually, <laughs> we call them uh, uh, Santa Monica 73 on taxes. And, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Cause that's the two things you can, you can always count on. So. <laughs> that's a weather report every day. It's going to be yeah.
1: 73 and you're going to pay taxes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what is I mean, sales tax is like over 10 now,
2: right? It's like close oh, to 10, guys. but then you have income tax of Southern California. Oh, yeah. So yeah, property and that, everything. And I work for the people at that point.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. It's a tough thing about Cali, man. It's the good and bad of it all, man. So now we're going to talk a little bit about your business, which is... Now, I think you also, you know, another shout out for Santa Monica. You know, you dropped out of that place. Just said, forget it. You know, I don't even care about the credit transfers. I need to go make money, go to work, go do my thing. And now you are inquiring businesses rapidly. Um, you and your partners are looking at these best in class baby boomer businesses that are, you know, have driven the economy for years. Not quite recession proof, but definitely recession resilient, right? And this is, I just keep hearing more and more about the opportunities that exist in this category. Tell us a little bit why this, why did you choose that, and, and how it's
2: going? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. It's going pretty well. Uh, the main reason for it is wanting to elevate the trades. Uh, we realize a lot of these, uh, you know, plumbers, H V C technicians, um, really don't have an ownership path. And we wanted to set, um, you know, the stage where, you know, building a company that, you know, a technician, uh, a CSR, customer service rep, dispatcher is able to have uh, ownership in the company, which is why we're headed to being uh, public. And a lot of our general managers, leadership team, key employees have the stock grants, the stock options, and everybody has the opportunity to acquire, even right now with our public offering, a piece of the company. That's a part of a mission, uh, wanting yeah. every employee to have an equity stake in the company. So uh, to your point, you know, at first, it, it's obviously there's a, an opportunity where we have a lot of baby boomers, a lot of um, sellers that paid for their kids to go to college, become engineers, uh, accountants, lawyers. Nothing wrong with that, but they're not interested in, in owning that uh, business, funding electrical air conditioning business. Yeah. Uh, so for us to preserve that legacy, preserve the culture that they build over decades, uh, it's a great opportunity to really have that same um, ethos that uh, Berkshire Hathaway has. You know, when you sell to Berkshire Hathaway, you sell forever. So if you, when you sell to Snowball, you sell forever. Mm. Um, you know, we preserve your legacy. We amplify what you do good and we uh, help uh, work through the limitations that you had and you struggled with by bringing our own leadership trainings and workshops and uh, and the coaching that uh, that really is now the purpose of snowball is to elevate uh, the people working in the trade.
1: Love it. Sounds a great spot for leadershipity. We can do some great oh, training right there. There right, we go. That, that, a, little that's plug for, I, a little plug for our
2: brand right there. That's why as soon that uh, our friend, I'm sure friend Alex mentioned it. I was like, this is a you know, perfect conversation for us.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's unique because we've been in the space a little bit. We've um, helped a number of companies sell uh, their company and get it ready for sale, right? Like, And it's always like get the bride ready for the wedding, right? And so, you know, we really carve out those uh, five key elements of a line Yeah. And man, I see a lot of focus in the past. Acquisitions and acquirers do love the idea of giving back and very different from you. You know, I very rarely heard the public conversation. I've heard a lot of the ESOP conversation, which is a employee stock owned plan and have you, you know, ventured into any of that? Why the public versus an ESOP option? Talk to, maybe talk to the audience through that a little bit here.
2: Yeah. We actually, we, we talked about ESOP and, and it's still a conversation for us. Um, we're going back and forth of it, but why have two vehicles of stock ownership of ESOP and public offering? Um, it just seems that adds a, another layer of, of complex complexity. Sure. Um, so when we started with, uh, with Snowball, uh, the idea was how do we differentiate ourselves in the market? You know, there's a ton of investment groups holding companies, private equity firms, Uh, us going with that public first mentality as far as like providing an exit or liquidity event for investors adds, you know, three, four additional benefits, not just for investors, but for the sellers, for the employees, um, and just for recruiting and retention in in general. Um, And, you know, part of that for, for sellers is being able to roll any portion of their equity into Snowball itself so that they can benefit from the larger public offering and pass it on to their kids and, and uh, you know, benefit from our cash flow and dividends in the future, as well as knowing that there is no next flip. If selling to us, it stays with us. We're not going to um, uh, push it upstream to another larger private equity. Our path is is going public. So sellers benefit, our investors benefit, just recruiting, and, uh, and also a lot of our employees in general. So...
1: I mean, let's talk, I mean, a lot of people are enamored with Shark Tank, right? Like, oh, hey, man, I'm going to go get an investment from one of the sharks. <laughs> That's awesome. I've seen many friends launched and, did, and done very well by partnering with one of these key people and key players. Do you have any exposure and experience with it? Like, is this something like uh, you, seriously, you see Snowball kind of as a Shark Tank type program?
2: As far as acquisitions, not so much as Shark Tank way program. We've built a really good brand. We've went through a lot of events to talk about our story, resonates with a lot of sellers. And right now we're in a position where we can be a bit picky as far as the companies that we partner with or, or we acquire. And so there's usually a the path where we're trying to disqualify a, an acquisition more than anything else because, you know, if either you want to do a, a, a large payday exit or you want something that you pre- preserve the legacy and the team that you that you build over decades that's the latter is where we're interested is to identifying those sellers and if you're not ready right now that's not an issue we can actually help you with our leadership team and workshops we do that actively and then when you're ready to sell then uh, then we can talk
1: Love it, I love it. Let's talk quickly about what most people don't know about you and hearing you, hey you're a lovely guy, you know you're the, the super nice guy, come in, get it all done. But the nickname is Hatchet Habouche. So I just <laughs> want to be clear that, you know, like there's another side of this acquisition challenge that Hatchet Habouche has to come in and clean it out, make sure the business is, is sustainable, moves forward. And that's not always comfortable, man. I mean, that's not easy. And of course, you're trying to do that for the greater good and there's casualties in that. Is that fair?
2: That's that's fair. That that was the biggest challenge early on I would say, um terminations and and letting go of close friends, some of them co-founders, uh, but you know, being focused with zooming out on the greater good of the company. When you're at our size, when you have 150 plus um employees, you really have really responsible for 150 plus families and yeah. you can't have one or two people take the focus out of out of that. Uh, and a lot of times, just on the subject of, of termination, just because they're not the right person for the company or the right uh, skills, doesn't mean it's that skill is not transferable somewhere else. It's just for, the, for for our position at our time. So it's not only the right person, right seat, it's also the right person, right seat at the, at the wrong time uh, or at right, wrong stage of the company. But at the end of day, every termination is personal and they don't see it that way. So as empathetic as I am and I leave with kindness, Sometimes the kind thing to do is letting that person go and parting ways.
1: Yeah, and I think um, I've seen a number of people in the past, I mean, who, you know, get into a situation, and quite frankly, they're not happy, given the new situation, given the new role, or not successful in their role, but talented somewhere else. So it's either a, a move to an area where I can really deliver on my strengths and really contribute at a higher level. Or it's moved to another seat in in the organization where the attitude, the values are all aligned but hey, we need this skills set to be more effective somewhere else. I don't think that's ever easy. Uh, I think the initial shock is always a challenge but I think in the long run, I think many have been served by it.
2: Yeah and you know this really well because when you when you're managing team and you're coaching teams, you know sometimes a superstar I mean he's extremely talented, but the team is culturally has changed and shifted, and they're not complementary anymore. And it, that person is disrupted. So sometimes you you know have to move on from the superstar just so that the team as a whole performs better. And it's your job as the coach and and as the CEO to always have that zoomed out view and seeing Hey, are, are this team culturally are they driving together?
1: Yeah. No, and I think it's it's uh you know having been at that level right with a lot of superstars. And and here's the other thing. Like when you talk about the humility to change your role. You know, when you look at the top athletes, the top people in business, they've been a superstar a long time and at a lot of different levels, right? And now it's like, hey, we just need you to be a role player right now for us. And it's like, no, 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 I'm always the superstar. Like, well, okay, but not today. You know, maybe someday again, but it's not this day, right? Uh And it's like, you know, being able to accept that as a team player, submit to that, I don't think that's always easy. And that's why I, I love, you know, when I, I love to talk about the challenge of submission. You know, I, I think religiously we get, a, we get a bad rap on, like, a wife should submit to her husband. I always hear that a lot biblically. Like, hey, man, being the honcho in charge, that's, like, a lot easier than the person who say, hey, I am willing to trust in you. Check my ego at the door and and submit to whatever Amir you think is best. Like there is courage, grace, and a lot of strength in that. So I think the submission side often is a lot stronger than the hey, let me go out front and be the superstar guy.
2: Yeah, no, exactly right. And and to your point, like when you always leading with with ego and, and pride, and you let it get the best of you, it, it also takes away from a lot of opportunities that you're going to miss out on because right? yeah. you know. Really high caliber teams are not going to accept someone that is just all mix it about them because there's a reason to have, you know, really high concentration of good talent at Snowball. And every, everybody here is important. Everybody here has a role. Uh, let's have that team mentality.
1: Yes, yes. And and everyone contributes to the greater good of the mission here. And here's the thing, and I always, uh, I'm reminded of, you know, people overlooking the little things, right? The, the small things that matter, like how clean your office is and that custodial service as you bring in, you know, potential prospects and go, Hey, this is a huge role for our organization to say we are professional. We take all the little things in detail. This is important to us. And man, if I walk in and it's changed and i and I use the example of like fast food, you've got an older child now when they were little kids. And you're on the road, you're like, Hey, I'm going to go to a McDonald's 20 years ago. It's not for the food. <laughs> I can get a clean restroom. You know, I can get something to drink that's cheap. We can get something that's going to just be a quick stop and feel good about that. Man, now that some of the little things are, are, are gone out of that organization, it's like, yeah. Um, uh, Hey, are we going to get this back? Because, you know, the reason I stopped before you don't give me the same reasons anymore. And it's not fast anymore. Like, I'm sorry. Like, so I don't have quality. I don't have speed and I don't have cleanliness. I'm sorry. The three things that I came to you for, I don't need to come to you anymore for. Like, this is not good in your model,
2: right? Yeah, exactly. And and I would even add safety and and just good lighting. Like, you just generally, like when you go with your kids, you just want to make sure that the place is safe. You're not going there for the quality, even though I'm not going to talk too bad about them. I do love their friends. Um, I right. God
1: love their food too, by the <laughs> way. Like, I'm not, I'm not knocking McDonald's. I like, I am happy with them as what they offer me. I am happy.
2: Yeah. But definitely, like, that's part of the things that we, we always think about in that moment. You know, do we want to choose, you know, Jack in the Box or McDonald's or Chick fil A? And now it feels like, Hey, I'd rather go into Chick fil A. That gives me that warm and fuzzy feeling because they're clean. They're polite. They're respectful. Quality of the food is good. It's well lit and safe.
1: Yeah. And expediency is important to them. Customer service is important. You feel valued. And and we're paying a a lot more for that. I mean, in fairness, my guess is the average check on a McDonald's to a Chick-fil-A check is probably for two people. I mean, no less than $10, right? And so like all of a sudden you're like, whoa, now like I'm, I'm paying more for that, but I'm getting what I pay for.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And customer service is, is key. Uh, oh, even with yeah. our technicians, uh, you know, at first they, they have some, some challenges with it, but our technicians, when they're rolling to, um, uh, into a house, they know not even to uh, park and block the, the driveway because you don't want, you know, if they need to, someone needs to leave in a rush or, you know, the hus- husband comes in and, and parks, you don't want to be the one that is just taking their spot. Uh, and then when they leave, they even, you know, wave to the house. So because everybody has a ring, they're looking at their window, and if nobody is looking, maybe the neighbors are, and you want to present the friendliness approach to the whole experience right from the start.
1: Yeah, I think Chick-fil-A's really set the standard for that today. I love, you know, when I first learned about my pleasure, right? I mean, I remember going into like five Chick-fil-A's over a week time and asking all sorts of questions. Hey, where can I find this straw? Oh, Oh, thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Like, and I was like, yeah, I'm like testing everybody, right? Like, oh, well, well thank you for turning my table. Oh, my pleasure. You know, and my daughter works there now, actually. And, uh, I have a 16 year old daughter. Oh, that's a good one. And yeah, and like my, his her little brother is like challenging her all the time. Like, uh, hey, thank you. Yeah. Are you say my pleasure at home too? Like, yeah, you know, like she wants to, he wants to know if she's going to be as committed, uh, at home. She's not. <laughs> She's not as committed to customer service at home as she is at work. Uh, apparently, getting paid really matters for that. And so it's I will we
2: test that. We'll, we'll give it a year because I actually heard from my friends when they had their, their sons and daughter working at Chick Fil A. All of a sudden, you know, when they said thank you, they said Instinc- inst- instinctively like "my pleasure," <laughs> ah, and, they, and no. they had to recall for a second. So well,
1: and I think it's so unique. You know, it's really a unique saying that they've developed because. You're welcome. I don't think it's heard. And when they say it's my pleasure, I mean, it's my pleasure is it's it's a it feels genuine, right? It feels like authentic. Like wow, this man or child or girl, woman, boy, you know, they have all ages, and they're committed to actually this experience that I'm having. Yeah. And you know, hey, maybe they're robotic about it. I don't know, but it sounds pretty authentic. And like that, that place. The other unique thing I heard, and I don't know if this is true by the way, I should ask my daughter. Uh, these are inside secrets of Chick Fil A. So I don't know if this is true, but I had ho- I had been told that on an interview process, if a candidate comes in and does not smile in the first five minutes, the interview is over and they will not consider hiring. Oh, I did not hear that. That's an interesting rule. Yeah, like yeah. here's here's our line in the sand. Here's a minimum qualification. And I, I recently had a uh, former Navy SEAL on and. We kind of laughed about the minimum qualifications to get into a SEAL class. And physically, I mean, Amir, you're in pretty good shape. I'm in pretty good shape. I feel like right now we could meet the physical qualifications. What I know I can't do <laughs> right now
2: is go through those boats and, and, you
1: know, run the cold water and everything else. I'm going to tap out. Like I'm going to be ringing that bell. You know, like I am
2: not there today, but I could, I could do muscle up some rings. Yeah. Really? That's a that's a big deal, man. This one, (laughs) yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, 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 one's more than I can do, and probably ninety nine percent of America as well. But you know, I think that the qualifications don't always set. But like, hey, it's a it's a standard that they set. Like, hey, I'm looking for people that genuinely like life, that like to smile, like to look at others and say, "Hey, here's a smile. I'm giving mine away free. It's for you." And I think that general disposition is setting a standard. For what they're really looking for in in on their teams, and it's a, it's a small little thing, right? But I think right. it's a it, it's a big thing.
2: So what you're saying, Finn, is I should apply for Chick Fil A because I I smile and I'm happy all the time. So and I I'm say telling you, like,
1: I, I think you're like
2: I'm Chick-fil-A management materials. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: telling you, Chick Fil A. I can call the cafes right now if you want. Like, yeah. if, you're, if you want to head to Atlanta and like get a sit down, like
2: I would appreciate
1: yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> You're a pretty busy guy, you know, changing the world for all of our specialty and tradesmen. And do you think that like when you were a kid and you were doing like the, what you call it, ROP? Is that what, it, what you called it?
2: No, so our people the after school classes in the in the high school. So it's called yeah. regional occupation programs. Yeah. And yeah. So, you know, I, I took like how to type on keyboards. So I, I know how to put an invoice in the envelope like perfectly so that it's the address in the window. And um, as well it's as how, you to know, exactly. how to fold that, oh, that properly.
1: Exactly. Fold that in. That's a skill. <laughs> yeah. 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 Is, yeah. Those dotted lines weren't there 20 years ago where you, yeah. know, you actually folded on the dotted line, right? So it comes out right. That wasn't there back in the day. So no one had figured that out yet.
2: Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm big since then. I'm, I'm big and I've seen the impact that even something that small does. So we're, we at Snowball in general and not only myself, but my COO, our exec team as a whole, our director of FPNA and our co-founders, all of them are about development, and development, and development. And so us setting out, even setting up a Snowball University is part of that. Uh, so education, keep pushing that in the trades, the leadership, the management. Uh, it's, uh, it's pretty much ingrained in us. And
1: we, I mean, let's just talk about this in, in, you know, more kind of general terms, but this is an underserved community. I mean, and I'm assuming that. So I, I'm, and I don't want to make assumptions, but when I think about that, if I had to do a laundry list of the leadershipity firms that have called us, I could tell you how many have been trades companies, right? I mean, they're not investing in these in, in these quality workers, and these are people on the front line. And I was a uh, franchisee; I think I was like the eleventh or twelfth franchisee of One Eight Hundred Got Junk. And Brian Scudamore was committed to customer service at that level. And this is nothing fancier than we are going to haul junk out of your home, out of your office, the things you just need to get rid of, and it is lickety split gone off your mind, and you know. As a person in this business, like the value of stuff sitting in the corner going, Oh my gosh, it's, it's mental energy. I walk past that three times a day going, when did someone get this out of here? And she just really categoric set that apart about how we can do this in a system of with a smile and with a, with a good looking group of folks that are professional in a uniform that come and deliver a customer service experience and it was all about the experience right down to the technology which I think in 2001 I was getting text by phone orders and direct credit card charges right to my QuickBooks account directly to my bank and amazing. yeah it was amazing because I remember in 2012 people telling me like oh well you're you know you're not going to get QuickBooks to process that to your bank I'm like I was doing that eleven years ago. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, of course you can. And he, it was they were they were ahead of their time in a lot of ways.
2: No, that, that's that's amazing. And so, just to rewind on what you said on compensation, uh, we drive hard on on making sure that uh, our teams are you know are compensated above market. And um, we want to make sure that you know there's um, the reward there is following you know a, a good process that is very customer service centric. And you know, following that, giving the right options, whole journey from knocking on the door, stepping back, uh, diagnosing the the unit, uh, explaining to the customer what's going on, and making sure that um, you know they're very clear on the charges and everything else. That's part of the experience, and we want to reward that uh, to our technicians, CSRs, dispatchers, uh, all the rank and file of, of doing the hard work. Um, that's really close to our heart because you see what's going on. And over the past ten years, a lot of people get pushed out of the communities that they work in because they can't afford living in, uh, in the neighborhoods that they've been there for for decades, three, yeah. four generations. Yeah. So we want that to be a choice for our technicians and for our, for our team. That hey, it's your choice if you want to move out, but you know we want to make sure that you can afford living in the communities that you serve. And that's that's our ethos. We don't want you to drive and commute an hour away just so that you can come back here yeah. and serve these you know these homes that you've been living here for generations. Yeah, and I think what
1: you're doing is amazing too—is offering a track for increased education, increased opportunity, increased payment, increased management opportunities, growth and development, even even taking on a new operation in a new city. You know, a transfer to. Direct management of a facility, utilizing the tools in, um, interior training of others. You know, I love, I love teams that really get the fact like, Hey, I'll know you have it, Teresa, when you can teach it. And you're so good at this that I want you to go up into this new community two hours away and have an opportunity to make 35% more than you've ever made and manage this group and train this group because if everyone was good at customer service, what a great organization I'm going to have over there as well as we've done here. And I, I don't know if that's been a big offer in the trades. The, the biggest upgrade offer that I can recall in the trades is adjusting to higher higher level, higher risk work. And higher level often means um, increased certification. And if you're not great at the X's and O's reading math, that's a struggle because you got to retest. And then the other opportunities often come with a degradation to the family. Like, hey, I've got a great opportunity. If you go eight weeks on this rig, you can make a lot more money on a premium payment, but you'll have to sacrifice two months away from your family. And you're like, uh, I don't know how to that sounds like I do like the money option, but uh, I'd like to stay married and I don't think this is going to go well like that, right? So that's a tough thing. Like, That's a tough thing to carve a new path.
2: It is, and and we're very cognizant of of that. Exactly what you just said of even leaving your families for a night, because you know when you have a plumbing issue or toilet overflow at two a.m., you're gonna you want a plumber to show up, Mm -hmm. and so we uh, make sure that we rotate that, and and also for the plumbers to feel like at that moment, one of the things I actually picked up from a previous uh, seller of the Diamondback uh, from that we acquired was when when you show up at two a.m. You're not a plumber. So imagine like your, your daughter is going off to school somewhere in, in college and she calls you, dad, I have a, I have a, a my toilet is overflowing. You feel helpless. What are you going to do? You call a plumber and they tell you, hey, we're going to show up at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. Yep. We don't have anyone right now. You're frustrated. You call Diamondback. or You call one of our teams. They show up at 2, 3 a.m. You feel such gratitude and relief. That person just, you know, pretty much saved your daughter from having a sleepless night and, and having just her her apartment ruined. So.
1: Yeah, and I, I have a group like that, SJR Holdings out of uh, Fort Worth, Texas, TCU students. I mean, that's what they do. They have a great system and process behind, hey, a student comes in, and they're in all student housing. They're in student houses, apartments. You know, they're actually all houses. They're one of five rooms rented, and there's a premium. You know, it's college level, but the parents just want to know, like, hey, if the heat doesn't work. Someone's coming out to fix stage the fact. They're gonna come out and 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 fix this heating unit, and that's a big piece of mind. And you know, I I also think what a great way to train and understand the value of not only like these people are stressed. It's three. It's two thirty in the morning. They all got to go to work tomorrow, just like I'm supposed to. I really have some empathy for what's going on with them, and I'm I'm gonna do everything I can. But I, I think one of the things a lot of people miss in this environment is that every moment that that time gets there quickly and saves it's it's thousands of dollars in remediation cost saved because this thing goes as a problem in a, as a plumbing, water, anything that's going in. Like, hey, every ten minutes is another thousand dollars in remediation because it's higher flood, it's more carpet that's got to be ripped out. Oh my gosh, we're gonna have to do all the walls again and. Most people, you know, as a Midwest kid, most people don't know in the Midwest that very few houses are insured in their basement. So when things go badly and it's usually plumbing, it's usually a water issue. Yep. All of a sudden you've got six inches of water in your basement and your insurance goes, oh my gosh, that's too bad. Well, you're going to pay for it, right? Like, no, that $35,000 of remediations on you. <laughs> you're like, uh, I'm sorry, what? Like. So when one of your technicians comes in there, they're literally going, man, you might have saved my kids our ability to pay for our child's college this year because that fund could have been drained immediately. Yeah. And because that's just the cost of doing business now. And it's uh, it's unfortunate. I bet it happens to thousands of families horribly every year. And, um man, it's just those things that, you know, we know, but we don't know. And we want to save money on insurance. And it's hard, man.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I had an investor, I'll, I'll share this story too. I had an investor in Snowball call us one time. It's like, Hey, you know, I, I use your, your, your firm, uh, one of the, the companies that you guys own. And, uh, they were a little bit higher than, than everybody else in, in the market. And I was like, Oh, how many people did you call us? So I called three. I was like, and who showed up? And it said, your company. I'm like, exactly. so said, at 2, 3 a.m., there's a reason we're a little bit more premium because we show up. And maybe you paid an extra $100, $200, but they did the work. They did it right the first time, and they did it quick.
1: I mean, can you imagine the, the $200 I paid up front that saved me $20,000 in potential remediation costs, repair, and and time, and potential worse. Is you know how many times we've seen water damage cause mold issue, and all of a sudden you got people sick in the house, and oh, listen, that's going to cost you now sixty thousand, and you just need to be out of your house for ninety to one hundred and twenty days. Like, no, yeah. wait a minute, what's that rent going to cost me? <laughs> like, how's this thing working? Like, it can get crazy in a hurry, and and so let's let's kind of pivot on that Amir, which is the marketing, right? You know, hey, are, are we selling? You know, we pick uh, customer service, quality, and time, right? Like how mm-hmm. quick we can do things. And, you know, I always tell people, you better pick two. Because yeah. if you tell me you have all three, I don't believe you, right? Like, I yeah. think you're lying to me. And so Lexus is not selling me a low price vehicle. I get exactly. that, right? But they're selling me quality, and they're saying, hey, if the value's there. And I'm like, yeah. all right, all right. I, you know you can sell me on that, but if they gave me a look, we're the lowest price, but it's the best car ever made them, yeah, sure it is, right? <laughs> so now let's go back to a mere high school kid, Santa Monica High School, Santa Monica 2.0,
2: shout out, Santa Monica College. Um, <laughs> which I, which I, I, mean, I dropped I, out of. I couldn't, <laughs> yeah, which you dropped out of. Okay. I couldn't even yeah. really cut yeah. the community college, so. Yeah, I wasn't even worried about the transfer credits. I think when uh, my uh, Spanish teacher, uh, I you know, taking late night classes and, and I fell asleep in, uh, in one of her classes and she told me, "Look, I'm not counting you in as as being attending here." I'm like, you know what, you're, you're absolutely right. Sorry for for disrespecting you, but can I go back to sleep? And, yeah. and then and I went outside to to had a couch there. So that's when I knew that okay, I need I need to move on. I'm not doing right by anybody but side instructor go ahead
1: no 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 I think that's good you know it's good self-awareness right like, hey yeah. this isn't where I really want to be and it is it is exactly when interest and committed shows up right I'm very interested in going to college getting a degree I know it's there for but I'm not committed to that right now yeah. I mean I'm committed somewhere else uh whether that's making money you know family whatever it is right and so the recognition of like hey being interested in something probably isn't serving everybody else so. You know, until I can get committed, maybe I'll return. Fortunately for you, you found a path. Now, when you were this kid rolling through, I mean, did you see yourself? You don't know what i to do? I'm going to buy businesses one day. <laughs> did you see yourself as a 14-year-old entrepreneur like, this is what I'm going to be? Uh, did you see yourself as a pro soccer player and go back and take Iran to the World Cup? Because, you know, they were pretty good this year. All, you know, uh, took it to us a little bit. We had a good, good game, good match against them. And so talk, talk to me about that. What were you thinking?
2: I read a philosophy books early in, the, early in my life. I would say 14, 15, 16. And we're talking about like, you know, Siddhartha and Journey to the East and even something like the, you know, Taoism through Tao Fu. So yeah. I always felt like, you know, motivated to be one, um, a, a good steward of people and being able to energize and recognize the value of people and have them, you know, be in a better position. Um, And and I was lucky enough that even with my whole journey that I just shared with you, I come from a great family, uh, well off, plenty of opportunities, uh, and I'm very aware, I was very self-conscious on that luck that I had. And I think even Warren Buffett speaks about it, like probably like the best thing that you can, that can happen to you is where are you born? If you're born in the US or you're born somewhere else that is a little bit uh, underdeveloped, that's kind of pretty much dictate the opportunities that, that you have available to. So. Was very self-conscious of that or self-aware of it. Did always see myself as a, a steward of, of, of people and snowballing is exactly that. It didn't matter to me if it was a tech company uh, or, you know, cybersecurity or architecture or real estate. I uh, wanted to have what can kind I of have the most impact on people in a positive way. Um, and that's, that's my, my main motivation that from early on was always uh, what I cared about. Uh, even when I was in a, a restaurant, helping a friend. Anytime I would talk to a bus boy or a, a waiter, I would coach them through like, Hey, are you saving money? Are you putting away? You, do you have a, a IRA account? And imagine talking to a bus boy that is living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Really trying to work, work a budget with them to be able to even put an extra hundred to hundred. Uh, so being able to be a position that I could impact 150 at a time uh, with that type of um, uh, drive, you know, it's, it's pretty much what energizes me.
1: Did you have a mentor that you saw doing this well? Like, and Sam, I mean, this is obviously a path. Most 14 or 15 year olds don't know this is a path out there, right? Like, they don't know, hey, I could be buying businesses, right? Like, like but did you have a mentor, someone you looked up to, or a family member who had done this in the past and you saw success from someone else?
2: My family, in general, entrepreneurial. Uh, even uh, my grandfather, my my uncles, my my dad's uh, always entrepreneurial. Even my uncle owns a, a chain of eight hardware stores out of Israel. Same thing, 150 plus employees that he's running, and he's 76 years old, and he wants to start a home service company. Uh, that, that's how motivated he is, and entrepreneurial. Always been lucky to surround myself by really talented and and um, you know motivated people. My co-founders for the past 10 years have been all about acquisitions. So one of them. Uh, two of them actually called me and said, "Hey, you want to you want to join us on this endeavor? We're going to acquire. Um, at that time, was e-commerce companies, uh, micro SaaS companies, uh, informational uh, companies. And it, it was interesting that hey, we, we're buying a pre-existing op- operation with uh, with uh, healthy cash flows. That all the mistakes, the discounts that the owners have done is baked in. You, you're pretty yeah. much buying success day one. Um, that." You know that with my background of being an avid reader of, uh, of Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway of acquiring uh, cash flows and buying good companies and or great companies for a good price, that's the, the mentality and the framework that uh, we've got into our uh, mergers and acquisitions. And over that, just continue being coached and mentored with really good partners and co-founders. Uh, and and I'm very aware that I'm very lucky to be. In that position, but if you always make sure that you surround yourself with good uh, people, and your net worth is really your network, your luck will come to you because you're prepared for it. You put this, you set the stage to receive luck, and that's the position I put myself in.
1: Wow, I love it. Now, people are probably sitting out there going, "Well, Amir, you probably had two million dollars to invest, right? Is that accurate? Do I need two million dollars to start buying a company because?" Man, I mean, here's a company with an EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, tax, you know, depreciation, and so when you hear that, do you think like, oh, this is my stopgap? I don't have credit, I don't have two million dollars. Here's a half a million dollar EBITDA, getting a three X. They're going to want a million and a half dollars, and. Of course, our SBA is pretty fabulous about doing not a not an easy process, not fast process. But you have a great bank out there, Live Oak Bank, that's just incredible. They're very good at it. There's a lot of things out there that resources and services come alongside. But where were you at in
2: that mix? Yeah, so you hit it in the head. You don't need two million. You want to buy a a, you know a five hundred thousand cash flowing business. You know you can. Probably buy it for about the purchase price would be uh, two million, but you you know with SBA program you would need anywhere from five you know, to ten percent, so uh, that would be one hundred thousand to two hundred thousand. Um, and wow. Knowing that the outcome is for you to at the minimum have a hundred thousand, um, you know, set start saving right now over the next year or two, maybe even hustle and get a second job. Put everything aside so that you can you can have that delayed gratification with a bigger focus of you know being a, a owner of your own business. Start building relationships with sellers as you're saving, making sure that then, you know they're willing to even carry a larger seller note. How you structure the deal can lower your initial cash injection into the company significantly. And then on on top of that, to your point, even how creative SBA is one. And you don't have to have a perfect score. It's not like yeah. buying a home to have 800, 700. Yeah, they're not
1: looking for, you know, 750 pluses. Like, they see the value of the product. The uh, the P&Ls are relatively clear. They're going to want to see some clear finances to say, hey, historically, this has produced the money to pay the note. Yeah. And, by the way, if people don't know this, this is very important, banks love the SBA. Why? Because the SBA takes ninety percent of the risk. They are on the hook for ninety percent of that loan. So the bank goes, Well, we're really gonna stick our neck out for two hundred thousand of this of this two million at ten yeah. percent, of which Amir just gave us a hundred, so we're down to a hundred now, right? And um, the worst thing that happens to me is I lose $100,000, and by the way, I get the business back, like, I mean, to be resold again, the assets, whatever, uh, the inventory that's probably worth millions. I mean, there's all sorts of different things. I would also point to a couple other leverage points of assets that you may have. Oh, I don't have the money. I do own three properties though, worth $800,000, that just recently, given, thank you, COVID, Double the value on those properties. So now at 1.6 billion, I've got a lot of leeway and and what we call equity in those properties. So I could lean against one of those properties for that hundred or two hundred thousand dollars to make that down payment and continue on. Yes, it, it extends feasibly a mortgage rate on that property. But if that property has been rented and it still has that value, Obviously, if it's, if it's a 50 or 100% gain over the last five years, there's a lot of room for that equity. I've done that in a couple of properties.
2: And so, you know, there's options, right? There's so many options and you don't even have to go that big and and buying a million or 500,000, even though I would recommend it. But really the, the business and the size and the cash flow, everything is, is in context. I have friends that bought a pet grooming business making 150,000. A year in cash flow, and she's a she was a waitress, and now she owns a a pet grooming business making one hundred fifty thousand. She bought it for about four hundred thousand. So what she really needed is forty thousand. Yeah, and you know you can save forty thousand in a year or two if you're really committed and and focused, and you don't spend it anywhere else. And then you buy another one, and then you buy another one, and you start building your own chain of it.
1: Yeah, and, and let's let's just break that down real quick. As this person. Unlikely made $150,000 waiting tables. Unlikely. Right. I mean, not that you can't do it, but pretty tough. All right. Those are very few. There's, you know, my, my buddies over at the Gibson group, they're probably, their guys probably, in the the men and women probably do all
2: right. You're like, oh. I, know, yeah. I know a few too that make uh, definitely 120 plus, but 150 is a stretch.
1: It's a <laughs> lot of money for a waiter. You know, like it's a lot of money for a waiter waitress. And so, so as you say that, so she's already created a lifestyle that does not need $150,000. She can maintain excuse me, her her current lifestyle. And now she has $120,000 in revenue. So if she lives off a $75,000 income, which is probably still an upgrade from her former job. She has her $40,000 she can recoup in a short time. She sets aside $75,000 for the next. She's doing something she truly enjoys, being around the pets, doing this. She buys a second, she buys a third, she buys a fourth. Now listen, we also get more efficiency in economies of scale. She doesn't need an accounting group on 4 units. She only has one group to account that. So 150 per unit turns into 175 per unit, right? Now all of a sudden, we're up and she's running into 350 700 a year and she's like going, "Wow. I can live a pretty good lifestyle on 700 a year enjoying what I'm doing and I've put a position in place now where really I'm managing my four general managers at each facility my life's improved, training and education has become very important on how we run our systems well, take care of our customers and both our pet customers and their owners, right? Yeah. And off we go.
2: Yeah, and it teaches you so many things too. It teaches like everything you said is like you nailed it, you know, but it teaches you management skills. It teaches you customer service, even though waiters and waitresses do a fantastic job of that. Yes. So that translates really well. But the whole customer journey from the moment they walk in cut that their, their pet had, the shampoo experience afterwards, people management. There's other skills you learn uh, that now if you want to go to the next level and maybe sell this um, and buy a bigger business that is doing a million in in cash flow, well, first, you amass quite a bit of wealth over the past three, five years that you have the down payment. So you now just step up. But now you're ready. To receive that a uh, bigger business because there's a lot more at stake. There's 30 employees. There's 50 employees. But you learn your management uh, skill chops with the five, six, seven.
1: Yeah, it's so good. I mean, and for people that don't know, there are 10,000 baby boomers retiring every day, and many are company owners. These businesses are highly, you know, regarded in cash flow positions. In fact, one of the knocks that I have on the best in class and baby boomer business is that they don't scale up because if you've kicked off a business with 500 or a million dollars a year for 15 years, let's just say that, that's 7.5 to 15 million dollars. Like, if you're living in the Midwest, you're living very well, (laughs) all right? And also, these are baby boomers, so they are over 65 years old. so. I don't know, like, I don't, at 65 years old, I will not have a payment on any of my properties, right? I don't have a mortgage anymore. My costs have all of a sudden gone down in my lifestyle. And I'm like thinking, man, I don't want to scale this thing up because I don't want to work that hard. I don't need to work that hard. I've got money in the bank. I've got college paid for for the kids. I'm going to retire good. Like, I don't need to go acquire 50 more customers and and add 50 more agents that people are hard. So I don't know if I want that headache. I don't know if I want some businesses, the customers are the headache and hard, right? And I don't know if I want to have that when I'm good where I'm at. And so, hey, if you're a young go getter, I think there's a lot of opportunity to take a $3 million top line into a six or 10 top line by putting some, uh, just some hard work and some effort, some some marketing plans and skills, and, and scaling up with a process. Amir, what have you seen
2: from that? Oh, absolutely. And uh, they don't want to go through another recession either. Like they live through mm-hmm. two, three of them, and the last thing they want to do is deal with another hardship, navigate of an exit. So we even, I don't think we talked about this, we even have an accelerator or a program where a lot of these acquisition entrepreneurs that they're buying their first plumbing, air conditioning, or electrical business, well, you're not from the trades uh, most of the time, but you do have the hustle, you do have the scrappiness, you saved up some money. We provide that that when you partner with us, we won't acquire you day one because there's a lot of things that you know the business you bought probably needs to um, uh, uplift. So we provide workshop training, access to our best practices that we mentioned, Uh, so at least you have a Guiding hand. So you don't make all the mistakes that, uh, if the cash flow already has baked in and you're about to spend that all over again, no reason for that. The owner already paid for it. Uh, team up with a, a company that can give you the blueprints for you to just grow and succeed and and maybe even get an exit out of it. I
1: love that. Yeah. That's just working straight on that pay line, man. Like, what's the value? What do people want from when they acquire that? Right. So Amir Hatchet Haboucher eh, in the, in the, <laughs> You're going to, you're going to get
2: me in trouble, Chen. I know, man.
1: (laughs) So tell them where they can find you again.
2: Yeah, they could find us at snowballinc.com. That's, and myself on uh, Twitter, Habouche is the handle. And then uh, on LinkedIn as well, if you search for Amir Habouche or Snowball, uh, we're there. You know, just to tie this up, we are having our, you know, heading to go public. One of the steps is a crowdfunding portal where people can can join and get it, buy a piece of the company. Nice. And basically have a piece of your neighborhood plumber air conditioning. That's what we want our customers similar to Costco. You're, you're an investor, you're a member, but you're also a customer. We want that with Snowball too. So people can participate in our, in our journey right now.
1: And they can find out more about that at snowballinc.com.
2: Exactly.
1: All right. There you go. Look at my show. You get all sorts of good stuff, <laughs> man. Like you, you can invest in a company right now with the mirror. And it's just, you can do it online, like in about 30 minutes. You're probably set to go, right? And exactly. Time. So <laughs> thank you so much for everybody out there on the Winners Find A Way show. Thank you for joining us. To Amir Habouche. so glad you could be with us. For everybody else, always. Winners Find A Way show on Fridays, 12.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Pacific. Join us each and every week. Until next time, I am Trent Clark, and thank you so much to Amir, and we'll see you next time.
0: Rebellious Infusions are organic-flavored water enhancers. Rebellious provides clean, focused energy in liquid packets. Just tear the corner of the packet and pour 16 ounces of water. Rebellious Infusions have no sugar, no calories, and up to 300 milligrams of antioxidants, and loads of L-thionine for brain health. Rethink your drink at drinkrebellious.com. For 10% off your next purchase, use the code 99999. Do you want to be our next guest? Or do you have inspiring stories to share? Or do you love to inspire, support, and empower thought leaders? Feel free to send Trent a direct message on Instagram or Facebook at Leadershipity.